Thanks for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT Pulpit. We're kicking off a new series entitled Stronger Together. Somebody shout stronger. Oh, that wasn't too good of a shout. Come on, let's try that one more time. Somebody shout stronger together. Come on, let's say it again. Say stronger together. Come on, let's say it one more time. Say stronger together. That's what we're going to deal with for a moment. I uh, want to start with a little illustration. I hold in my hand a toothpick. Y'all know about these toothpicks. You know, y'all put them in your mouth, trying to get that little barbecue out. <laughs> some of y'all had, some of y'all got some hot days coming up, and you're already planning what day you're gonna fire up the grill, and you're gonna need a toothpick to get that chicken or that rib or that steak. My, but not between your teeth. Some of you are real fancy and use toothpicks for your hors d'oeuvres. You put toothpicks in cheese cubes, or you put it in meat, or pepperoni, salami, ham, turkey. When you've cut it up and you keep it together, you put a little toothpick in it. One thing about a toothpick is by itself, can easily break it. I mean, it's a little piece of stick. It's not real thick. It's not real hefty or anything. It's just a little piece of thing. So when you snap it, it normally breaks. And even though this toothpick is small and by itself, it's very, very fragile didn't really take much of anything for me to break it in half when it was by itself. But if I were to reach into this box and grab a bunch of toothpicks, kitchen ministry gonna be mad at me today, but, but if I try to do that same thing with all these toothpicks together. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. I'm trying with all my might. Now, it was easy when it was just the one. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me in this place. It was easy when the, to- when the one toothpick was all by itself. But when that one joined forces with the others, And when the enemy tried to come in and break those same kind of toothpicks using that same strategy and that same effort, something happens when you join forces with other believers, your other brothers and your other sisters 
there's a strength that rises up on the inside that, yeah, by yourself they may have taken you out. But when you join forces together, when you recognize I can't do life by myself, when you recognize I'm much better with Chris on my side and with Arrow on my side and with Pastor Eli on my side and Brother Jefferson next to me and Brother Ken behind me, I'm better, I'm stronger. And the problem is, is that a lot of us like to stay by ourselves, And we don't realize that the enemy is breaking us apart. You know, I just like to be by myself. Don't, don't nobody bother me, I won't bother them. And you don't even realize what's happening to you. He's putting you and breaking you just like that. In this series, here's the big idea. You guys have heard me say this before. Life in Christ was never meant to be done alone. Now, since we are committed to being raised as believers, we must understand that there's a right way to do it, and that is for us to do life together. I want to share with you, and uh, 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 if you'll allow me to, just I want to read, I want to read just a little excerpt from my journal that I keep. It's just a little excerpt. Wrote this the other day after our Wednesday night session here at the church. And I wrote this past Wednesday night, we kicked off this new series entitled Stronger Together. But we did it in a non-traditional way. There wasn't any pre-promotion or even an explanation as to what was going to take place. All I said last Sunday is that we were kicking off the new sermon series, not next Sunday, but rather this coming Wednesday. And on Wednesday, I observed faces <laughs> as people walked in. Some people were excited to see things set up differently. Some were disappointed that I wasn't preaching or teaching. But most people, most people looked very confused. <laughs> they looked very confused. I began to explain to everybody that tonight was the kickoff of the next four consecutive weeks of life groups. I told them that there were four or five classes to choose from, and they are the following. Cards and Conversations, led by Pastor Eli and Lisa. Arts and Craft, led by Sister Terry Manley. We had a book club on apologetics, which means defending the faith, led by Brother Ron Manley. Tidy Chef, a cooking class, led by Sister Renee Redmond. And then, my all-time favorite, we had a wingman group, which is a men's fellowship while eating chicken wings, led by yours truly. Let me just tell you something, that was the best group of the entire night. 
Now, these are just the baseline groups. If there currently wasn't a group that fits their interests, we encourage everybody to start your own group. No special training is required. All you have to do is just be committed to being consistent in weekly fellowship with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's it. You see, this is what a life group is. Are y'all ready for this? Listen, listen real good. This is what a life group is. Whatever you like to do in your life, do it with a group. Man, I need to say that one more time. Whatever you like to do in your life, do it with a group. If you like walking or exercising, do it with a group. If you like shopping for baby's clothes, like my wife, listen, go with her so that I don't have to. If you like witnessing, do it as a group. If you like singing, do it as a group. My young men who, got, who gave their heart to the Lord last Sunday, stand up, stand up, stand up. Stand up, stand up, yeah, all, yeah. All. That's gonna be the new RT singing group in just a minute. Y'all can see Ricky, Bobby, Mike, all of them. I'm telling you. <laughs> You can have a seat. But they came up to me and said, after YK Sunday, and we had an amazing YK Sunday. I mean, our youth and children were absolutely amazing last Sunday. T-Money, I mean, Taylor Wyndham and Noah, they preached the word of God to us last Sunday. It was amazing. And they came up to me after service, like, Pastor Devin, we can sing. We want to sing up on the stage next week. I said, all right, well, let me hear you. And so the one that looked like Bobby Brown, <laughs> he started singing. I was like, man, he can really go. And so we're going to start making sure that we have an environment where all of our young people can be all they can be for the glory of God. If you like sewing, sew in a group. <laughs> Maybe you like going to the golf range or you know, hitting, hitting 18 holes or just going to the driving range. Hey listen, do it as a group. It doesn't have to be a big group. As a matter of fact, we discourage big groups. Groups should be no bigger than eight to 12 people. If it grows bigger than that, then we will multiply that group with a new set of leaders so that true connection and fellowship can take place. And yes, you can be part of more than one group as long as they don't meet at the same time because that would be very impossible. Again, whatever you like to do in your life, do it with a group. Now, let me insert my disclaimer here. Uh, if you like to do the following things with your life, we ask that you not do them with a group, but rather schedule some one-on-one -on -one time with me or one of the other pastors here for something that we don't call life group, we call it a counseling session. And this list includes, but not limited to, drinking alcohol, smoking weed, sniffing cocaine, drugs of any kind, 
fighting, carjacking, sexting, sleeping, cussing, lying, gossiping, backbiting, fornicating, lusting, cheating, stealing, coveting, worshiping idols, or streaking down 94 or in public airports, just to name a few. <laughs> Tell you the truth, Wednesday night in the wingman group, it was phenomenal. It was so good that we ended up being uh, the group that lasted the longest. You know why? Not because the chicken wings from, from Pizza Poplis were just awesome. I mean, they were just amazing. And y'all had some because y'all kept coming into our group room and eating some of our chicken wings. But when you get men in a room together, who we customarily don't do a whole lot of talking. But once you put some chicken in our bellies and you give us an opportunity to talk, our men got a whole lot of things to talk about. And so we begin sharing. And that's a very, very good thing. Being a part of a community is not only important, but it's very beneficial. Because see, you can't expect people to rally around you in your time of need if you're not connected to the community. Let me, y'all don't like me now, but let me, let me go ahead and say it again. See, a whole lot of us, like when we get low and in our time of need and we wonder, well, where was pastor? I, well, I, did he even know you was in the, in the hospital? Because we like to be isolated. We like to be by ourselves. Or, or, or we like to just have the, the few friends that we've always had and, and then we go by the motto, us four and no more. Or you may adopt that new, uh, 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 it, it was the silliest, it was the craziest hip-hop song that I'd ever heard in my life. I think it was Drake talking about no new friends. That's the most craziest thing I've ever heard of in my life. Are you serious? If I just relied on the friends that I had back in high school, let me tell you something, I wouldn't be where I was today. But because I opened up myself and opened up my life and said, you know what, I'm welcoming some new wisdom. I'm welcoming some new influences. I'm welcoming some new people into my life that can help me go to my next level. Talking about no new friends, please. You better get to know some new friends because the ones that you're hanging out with now got you in a situation that you're in right now. All right, let me not say that. Let me, let, let me move on. See, let me, let me just give my own personal testimony. Most of you all know December 6th was a day that rocked my family's life. My father, and I ask that you guys continue to pray for my dad. He, he is, he is just, you know, he's coming through, coming through, I mean, amazingly. But I tell you, just the different infections that can set in. The hospital is the worst place for a sick person. Let me just, maybe I shouldn't say that. On, I'm sorry. Don, scratch that from the, like, don't, don't put that out. This is my personal opinion. But, I mean, it's like just being in there, he, he, he begins to be more susceptible to all the different germs and diseases that float around in the hospital. And, but, you know, never mind. Anyway, just keep praying for him. 
he's on a very heavy antibiotic, and so they they can only administer it to him once every 48 hours. So I know he'll be there for next for another couple of weeks. But when when he suffered his massive stroke and a heart attack back on December the sixth, can I just tell you, me, my mom, my family. We wouldn't have been able to make it if it wasn't for the body of Christ. I mean, people from all over the world rallied around us. And even right here in this church came alongside of us and helped us in our time of need. Even people who were going through things on their own. Because that's just what we do. Let me just tell you something. It doesn't make sense for you to be a part of the world's largest and, and, and longest standing organization and not cash in on the benefits of being a part of the body of Christ. And I'm thankful today. I'm thankful today that the body of Christ is able to aid and it comes to, you all have heard me talk about this and, 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 and some of you may have not, but if you wake up in the middle of the night and you have to go to the bathroom, anybody ever had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night? Yeah, everybody's had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Don't think I'm crazy or something wrong with me because I had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. But sometimes you may not be all the way coherent when you get up in the middle of the night and go to the bathroom. And sometimes you may walk and gauge your distance away from that bed, just a little bit off, and you end up hitting that pinky toe on the corner of that bed. Anybody know what I'm talking about when you, I'm talking about hit that baby toe. I ain't talking about the big toe with the bunion, the baby toe with the corn on it. You know what I'm talking about. And you hit that baby toe on the corner of the bed. Let me tell you something. Something happens. I mean, the whole body reacts when you hit that baby toe. I mean, my head starts hurting. Tears start welling up in my eyes. My back bends over. My hands go down to try to aid the pinky toe, all because the baby toe on my left foot got hurt. Can I just tell you something? When you're a part of the body of Christ, no matter how insignificant or small you may feel, when you are down at your lowest point, when you're down at your lowest point, can I just tell you something? The entire body, comes to see about you. The entire body comes to aid you. They cry when you cry. They head hurt when you're hurting. They back bend over because you're hurting. Somebody comes to see about you. Oh, why? All oh, because you're part of the body. Touch somebody and say, I'm glad to be a part of the body. That's what happens when you're part of the body. You get help in your time of need. People start rushing to your way. What's going on? How can I help you? It's not a judgmental thing either. I mean, there's genuine concern. I'm thankful today because Mother Lorraine is in the building. Thankful today because Sister Stella's in the building. Thankful today that Sister Joslyn and Sister Lena's in the building. Brother Lee is in the building. Sister Ann is in the building. I'm thankful today that Brother Eric McDade
and Sister Louise in the building. I mean, these were people who were down and out, but when, but when, the, but when things got tough, the body came and the body saw and the body came to aid. The body came to see about them. Let me take you. See, I can't make it on my own. I'm thankful for people like Pastor Justin. Me and Pastor Justin would talk on the phone every single day at noon, and we would read the same chapter in the book of Romans every single day. Chapter 7. Can I tell you what that did to me? Strengthen me to know that somebody with two small babies would stop what he's doing, take out 10 or 15 minutes of his day. Come on, let's read this. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me in this place. You know why that helped me is because the devil is real. And he comes to tempt us. And the moment I feel like I'm about to fall, I can remember, oh, wretched man that I am. Who would deliver me from the bondage of this death? Thanks be to God. Who gives, who gives, I mean, come on, come on now. But let me tell you something, it all, it all happens because he made a conscious decision to say, I'm going to help my brother. I'm going to be there for him. And at 12 noon, like clockwork, we would do it every single day for about 21 days. Even when he went out of town, he tried to do it. I'm just like, look, man, this is just too much. You three hours behind me, I'm, you know. But there was a commitment. Why? Because life was never meant to be done alone. You can't make it by yourself. We can't. Let me show you something in scripture. I promise I won't be long. Turn to John chapter 17. John 17. John 17, verse 20. I'm reading from the NIV Bible, but listen to what it says. You can read along if you have it. It says, my prayer is not for them alone, talking about the disciples. He wasn't just praying for the disciples alone. But he says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Oh, did y'all see that? Here's Jesus praying. And here he is, I believe, in the garden. And he begins praying, not only for the disciples, but he also prays for those who will believe in the future. Look at somebody and say, that's me and you he's talking about. Yeah, he's talking about us. He says, I pray not not only for them, but I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. 
Let me just pause right there. There are people who are waiting to believe on Jesus Christ through your message. Let me rephrase that. There are people who are waiting to believe on Jesus Christ through you sharing your testimony. But guess what? You can't share your testimony sitting at home on your couch watching all the judge shows. that all of them may be one, Father. Watch this. Just as you and me and I in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Did you know that our unity with one another empowers our witness? As a matter of fact, it's the most powerful tool of evangelism that the world, that Jesus said the world would ever see. We have our brothers and sisters from Love Detroit here, and they're going to be here and using this church as the fire base, the home base for the next two weeks. Come on and give God some praise for that. And Love Detroit is all about witnessing and evangelizing this, 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 this city for Jesus Christ. And they're going to be out here in the streets of Detroit and Highland Park showing the love of God to those people. But you know what? They could never do it, and we could never do it along with them, except they be one. Verse 22, he says, I have given them the glory you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me, and I have loved even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given to me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Let's talk a little bit about the power of unity. Because there are some misconceptions. See, there are many misconceptions about fellowship. As illustrated throughout Christendom or churches around this city and, and even around the country. But when we think about fellowship, we think of an event that would take place beyond the regularly scheduled church services. It's an informal gathering where the saints enjoy each other's company. And these fun meetings of the saints include fellowship, but fellowship is far more than just hanging out with friends. Can I just say that? Fellowship is far more than just hanging out with friends. Jesus calls attention to the fact that genuine fellowship is one of the most powerful tools for evangelism of the church. And, and, and that's why we opted to do communion at the end because we, want, because we really want to teach about this thing. See, communion, common union, is where we get, get the word community. Real community 
only begins with Jesus. It, it really does. If you look back at our text, our text says that Jesus prayed for all who would call upon his name to be one. And a watching world would be drawn to believe in Christ because of our unity. Here Jesus shares one of the most overlooked tools of evangelism. Jesus says that when a watching world, when a watching lost world looks at a body of believers, they see something that, that, that they can't find anywhere else. They desire love. They desire support. They desire encouragement and acceptance. And they will be drawn to the Savior. He didn't say that the world is going to be drawn because of our great preaching. He never said that the world would be drawn because of our great singing. And Lisa knows she can sing. But he said, in effect, I'm praying that they will be one as the Heavenly Father and I are one. And that unity will be what will draw them with the gospel. So let me give you the prescription for unity. And I'm going to use the word unity U-N-I-T-Y as an acronym so we can identify several characteristics of Christ's honoring fellowship and then we're going to be out of here. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So U, somebody say U. U stands for uplift. Uplift. See, one way to develop unity within the body of Christ is in your home and in your home is to make a commitment to follow the commands of God to uplift one another. Can I tell you something? People get beat down enough by the world. On their job, they get beat down. In the streets, they get beat down. On the road driving, because they can't drive, they get, we get beat down. And so our responsibility as the body is to uplift. Imagine the incredible spirit of, up, of uplifting that these men, that these disciples experienced in the final phase of Jesus' ministry with the disciples. Listen to this. He spoke of their great contribution when he said, guys, you're going to take my gospel to the world. Can you, can you imagine Jesus himself talking to you and saying, hey, Ken, you are going to take my gospel to the world. I mean, you would probably say, me? Like, you're going to use me? But how many people know that if Jesus was to say that to you, what a feeling of uplifting it will give you. What a feeling of, man, I must be something if Jesus told me that I'm going to take his gospel to the world. I mean, how many people would feel pretty special? Well, can I tell you something? You are special. Yeah. 
because he did tell you, take my gospel to the world. He must think very highly of you to entrust the very thing that he came here for to take it to the world and he's putting it in our hands. Yeah, you who messed up last night. Yeah, you who messed, who blew it last week. Yes, you who just can't seem to get it together. He still called you. He still loves you. He still calls you to himself and he's saying, I'm entrusting you to take my gospel to the world. Doesn't matter what you think about yourself. He thinks highly of you. He thinks better of you than you think about yourself. Look at somebody and say, you're special to God. Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, you're special to him. So that's you. And, let me move through this quickly so I'm not here all day. And is a need. Need. You in a need. God has placed us here so that we can meet the needs of others. Lord, help me in this place. See, my favorite story about meeting needs of others is about a child who wanted his who wanted a bike for his birthday. And when his dad tucked him into bed, he prayed with an extremely loud voice. God, I really need that bike from Walmart. Father replied and said, son, God is not deaf. And he is not hard of hearing. And the son says, yeah, I know, but granddad is, and he's in the next room, and I want to make sure he heard me that I want that blue bike from Walmart. Because that little boy recognized that God uses people to help people. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me on this side. I'm going to go talk to this side. I said that he recognized that God uses people to help people. Go on and help somebody. Unity becomes possible when we acknowledge our personal needs and our responsibility to help others with their needs. I'm getting to this table in just a second. That's that's you, uplift, and need, I, integrity. Integrity. Jesus says this, 17 and 22. I have given them glory. (laughs) I have given them glory. See, glory calls attention to the holiness and the purity of God. Jesus represented the glory and the holiness of God. And we have received the call to represent the same type of integrity or the same type of holiness. Verse 19 says that they would be sanctified in Christ. 1 John 1 and 7 says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. Unity flourishes when we live holy. 
All right. All right. All right. I'm going to just stay right there because I heard the ouch. Unity flourishes when we live holy. Because let me tell you something. One of the biggest reasons why people don't like being in relationship with other people is because we don't want people to find out our mess. But if you would just be honest with yourself and, 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 and just trust God enough, you will find out that you're not the only one with some mess. As a matter of fact, the people that's gathered in the group got a bunch of mess too. But thanks be unto God that his grace is greater than our mess. And that no matter what it is that you have faced, no matter what it is that you have done, no matter what it is that you may be thinking or said, can I just tell you something? God is able to keep that which is committed unto him. And if you continue to lean, trust, and depend on him, he will give you the power to walk this walk and to talk this talk and to do the things that he's called us to do. Touch somebody and say, he'll give you the power to live holy. He will. See, the dictionary, the dictionary defines integrity as a state of being that is complete or unified. This is where, see, the word integrity really is derived from the root word Integer. What is the integer? Let's go back to class. Let's go back to the. It's a whole number. <laughs> See, when the angels in heaven, how many people remember the scripture talking about the angels in heaven? They're flying around the throne and they're calling holy, 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 holy. Holy. What they're really saying is integrity. 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 What are you saying, Pastor Devin? I'm saying this. God is a God of integrity because God is a God of wholeness. And what is whole about God? What he says and what he does. He says what he does and he does what he says. In other words, he is an integer. He's not fragment. He's not, you know, 50% he gonna do it, 50% he not gonna do it. No, 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 no. His yeses are yeses and his noes are noes. What he says he will do and what he will do just what he says because he's a God that's holy and he's a God that is of integrity. Christ fills our longing souls. He binds up our broken hearts. And he makes our life complete. He calls us to a state of wholeness when we're in him. <laughs> See, when we are not in him, we will stand broken in fragment pieces. Our life will continue to be in disarray, but when we trust our life into his hands, when we commit ourselves to him, he will cause things to come together. He will give you peace that surpasses all understanding 
won't even make sense. But he would cause everything to be in alignment. U, uplift, N, need, I, integrity. T is trust. Can't get that Queen Latifah song out of my head. U and I, T, Y, that spells unity. Trust. I'm sorry, now y'all think of CI. Whoa, talking Queen Latifah in the pulpit. I expose myself. I have not been saved all my life. <laughs> you see, when there is integrity, the saints of God are willing to trust one another. Are y'all seeing how this works together? When there's integrity, we can trust one another. See, the experience of unity is accomplished by confidence in your brothers and sisters to fulfill their responsibility without being coerced or begged. So you could focus on your assignment or on your assigned area because you trust that the other saints or the other believers are doing their job too. Amen, Walls. Sometimes the walls talk back to me when y'all don't say nothing. In these closing chapters of John, we see Jesus calling these men to be one in him by simply doing this. Listen to me. Trusting one another with their lives. They're not only gonna work together, they're not only gonna serve together, but in some cases, some of them are gonna die together. Let me tell you something. You don't get to that high level of trust when you don't even know the person's name who's sitting next to you in church. Life was never meant to be done alone. Because when you get in trouble, It's like WWE wrestling, you know, the tag team round. I need a, I need a friend. I need help. And then when you open up your eyes and look up, it's a sad day when you discover nobody's there. But when you have been in community, not only are you reaching out your hand, but they reaching out their hand and saying, just tag me in, let me in, because if I can come in, I can bring, because when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against the enemy. 
U, uplift. N, need. I, integrity. T, trust. And the last one, listen to me good, because it's last, but it's not the least of these. The last one is Y, and that's yielding. Yielding. You see, there are two areas of our lives that require yielding. First, we yield to the Lordship of Christ. Because God has exalted Christ, we submit our life to the authority of Christ. The devil is defeated. God is exalted. And Jesus is Lord. But then watch this. Then having yielded to the Lordship of Christ, we now have the capacity to yield to one another in the glorious cause of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see how this thing works together? It works together. Somebody shout unity. unity. Come on, shout again, say unity. unity. The driving call is that the world may know that the world may know. We should be willing to yield our selfish desires to the greater goal of extending the love of Christ to a lost world. Unity, U-N-I-T-Y. Let me get to this table. This table, this communion table, should be the ultimate expression of our unity as a body. Because see, when they, in the early church, when they would engage in the Lord's Supper, it was, it's nothing like what we do today. You know, we have these, you know, chips and this grape juice and it's all prepared. But, 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 but the Lord's Supper back in that day was more or less like a feast. I mean, people would bring in their own food and then they would share it with everybody who was there. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I promise I'm, I'm almost done. No, don't say that because, you know, you, you're the only one talking back to me. Everybody else sounds like, when you going to be done? You... It's first Sunday. Give me grace. 1 Corinthians 11, and let's start at verse 17. Listen to this. Listen to this. He says, now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you. Matter of fact, let me read it from the NIV. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17 through 32. Check this out. In the following directives, I have no praise for you. <laughs> See, you have to really take this in context because earlier in the chapter, Paul begins to admonish praise upon the Corinthian church for different things that he had instructed them that they were carrying out. And he was saying, good job, good job, good job. But when he gets down to verse 17, he says, but in the following areas, I have no praise for you. For your meetings, listen to me good, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. Lord, help me in this place. 
And some, and then Paul says, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead on your own to your private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. And then he goes to a section that we oftentimes hear when we have the Lord's Supper. For I have received from the Lord. But see, you really have to take this whole, this whole thing into context because Paul is saying, he, he's, he's instructing them, he's saying, for I have received from the Lord that which I also have passed along to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had gave the given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new, is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, somebody say, so then. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. And then he says, that is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have even died. But if we were more discerning with regards to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when you are judged in this way by the Lord, you are being disciplined so that you will not be finally condemned with the world. Here's the interesting part. Again, I was saying how that day they would have this, these big feasts and people would bring in food and the people that had, that were pretty well off, they would just start eating their food and people who didn't have the poor, the poor believers, they just kind of just still go hungry. And Paul's saying this is not the way the Lord's Supper is supposed to be. I mean, this is the Lord's Supper. The one who gave his life for the entire world. So why should when you come together, you go ahead and eat your food and leave your brothers and sisters hungry? Sad to say, but a lot of that happens even in the church today. We come in, we sing, we dance, we shout, and we walk past our brother and our sister who may still be there hurting 
And while you've got filled up, ooh, we had some good church, ooh. Somebody else is still hungry. Somebody else is still hurting. Because they come in here and we have real needs. And we don't take time to examine the body. And even to a point to where we don't even recognize who's not among us. People who have fallen away. And he told us that we were to remember. I wish I could say this how I really feel it. See, it's not just about you. It's not just about us four and no more. But when I don't see my brother for a week, I told E. McDade, I said, Eric, when you're not here, man, I'm struggling. You know what he said to me? When I'm not here, I'm struggling too. <laughs> because we need one another. And so we need to be conscious. We can't just come in here. I'm going to get mine. If you, if you don't get yours, it's on you. No, that's a selfish mentality. We need to be concerned for one another. So today, I'm going to do something very specific. And I want you all to hear me good because I'm closing. I know you all are wondering, well, what is this arts and crafts show up at the altar today? These are representatives of links in a chain. Just like my toothpick scenario, when you disconnect one link, it's easy for the enemy to find, the, to find that hole. But when you get connected, when you say, come on up here, Chris, come on up here, Eric, Brother Jefferson, Dante, Pastor Eli, come on up here, come on, Carlos, come on, come on up here. Noah, get on up here. Tom, come on up here, man, come on up here. Come on up, come on up here, come on up here, come on up here. Let's link arms. See, by myself, you may really want to try to mess with me, but when I'm connected, oh, the devil gonna think twice. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. And because I'm connected, not only when, when, when the enemy comes in, but even when I fall, I got some help on both sides of me that's going to hold me up when I'm weak. That's going to bear my infirmities when I'm weak and going down. 
But see, when I disconnect myself, let me tell you something. He ain't coming after them that's still connected. He's going to come after the lone wolf that's all by himself. Everybody stand. Our community at Revival Tabernacle aims to reach our city and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus. Thank you for your support. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at www.revivaltab.org.